Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good evening and welcome to the John Whitmer Show, sponsored by Wink Hartman and the Hartman Group of Companies. My name is Michael Austin, free market economist and legislative director for Americans for Prosperity Kansas, filling in for John Whitmer this evening. We're happy you had a, you have joined us tonight. We are your local liberal resistance headquarters where we proudly champion the conservative principles of limited government, individual liberty, free enterprise, and traditional values. We're pleased to have us, uh, we're pleased to have you with us this evening. If you'd like to call into our studio lines, they are open and you can reach us at 316-869-1330. That's 316-869-1330. Or by email at john at knssradio.com on Facebook at The John Whitmer Show, and on Twitter at John R. Whitmer. Reach out again, and we'd love to hear from you. Well, we have another great show planned for you tonight. Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform, will join us to discuss Kansas's recently passed single-rate tax bill and the results of a recent survey that shows 71% of voters say parents should have the right to use their tax dollars for their child's education any way they see fit. We'll then have uh, Michael Letts from Invest USA, who will try to explain why the U.S. Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision is allowing the feds to cut razor wire installed by the state of Texas at the U.S. border. Eric Ruark from Numbers USA will be also will also be with us to speculate on the possibility of a Senate deal on immigration. Now that House Speaker uh, Mike Johnson reportedly told GOP House Caucus that he will reject whatever border security deal comes out of those current talks between the Senate and Joe Biden. Then Elizabeth Patton from AFP Kansas will then walk us through a new poll that she has that finds the majority of Kansans want the current massive budget surplus return to you, the taxpayers. We'll then have Representative Pat Proctor bring our weekly Under the Dome legislative update from Topeka. And of course, we'll always take your calls at 316-869-1330. Well, ladies and gentlemen... Kansans are suffering from a tall tale that just seems to be as old as time. It's a battle between those who champion economic prosperity and then those who cling to fake news and toxic labels. Earlier this month, lawmakers proposed a plan to alleviate our tax burdens, including reductions on property, Social Security, personal income taxes, sales tax on food. But just this past Friday, Governor Laura Kelly vetoed all of that giving uh, vetoed giving back your money using lies like acts to the tree here's a quote and let me and, and ask me or excuse me tell me how many lies can you catch in this single statement quote i refuse to sign into law a reckless flat tax that would take us back to brownback while doing nothing 
for the middle class, end quote. Folks, we're at a crossroads here. Laura Kelly, in her six years of being governor, has shackled Kansas on the path of stagnation and fearing that past, all for her own personal gain, to the detriment of Kansas families and businesses. For six years, Laura Kelly has lied to Kansans, saying that any Republican tax relief is just the brownback tax cut back to brownback. But by doing that, it freezes Kansans, it freezes policymakers, and it keeps us away from dealing with the problems that we face every day. Let me reiterate this. Governor Kelly's veto of your income and your property tax relief didn't, uh, didn't just miss an opportunity. It is part of a six-year-long history of making Kansas an expensive place to live and an expensive place to raise a family. We are the second most overgoverned state in the country. Our non-farm earnings growth trails 5% behind the nation. Uh, families are grappling with an extra $11,200 in expenses just due to painful inflation, just due to prices rising. And those rising prices and even property taxes are triggering an exodus. Everyone's leaving for Texas. Everyone seems to be leaving for Florida. Everyone is leaving to low tax states. Lawmakers in Kansans are finally tired of that constant gaslighting by Laura Kelly. And so they introduced the inflation buster bill, uh, a bill that actually reduces inflation, unlike what we've seen from Joe Biden, which does numerous things. One of which is it simplifies our tax code, goes from three brackets down to just two rates, zero and 5.25. That's all you have to know. Then it also reduces the sales tax on food also to zero. Uh, your property taxes, guess what? It exempts the first $100,000 of your home from that property taxation. And then if you are a senior, if you are a retiree, if you're taking Social Security income, it will eliminate state taxation on that income. That is the path that we should be on. If you, want, if you make minimum wage, you shouldn't owe any taxes. That is the path that we live on. If you are a low-income family trying to make ends meet, we want to make sure we give you hundreds, if not thousand dollars of tax relief putting this all together that is the path that we are on and guess what those benefits have nothing to do with a tax policy that is over 10 years old from 2013 to 2017 that brownback tax relief that laura kelly wants to uh use as a boogeyman every moment that she can get gave so much more money back to kansas families and businesses that to this day Laura Kelly has yet to grow the Kansas economy on par with those years. The only negative happened to government in the sense that we never were able to pull back the beast. We were never able to reduce that spending. But today, lawmakers have crafted a relief package that still leaves $4.5 billion in reserve and ending balance. In other words, this plan is sustainable. In other words, you can pass tax relief and still have money left over for government in case there's an economic recession, in case uh, there's an emergency expenditure that needs to be made, in case uh, you just need to have a rainy day fund. In closing, my fellow Kansans, let's use Governor Kelly's veto of the inflation buster bill as a wake-up call, a reminder that we cannot, take, we cannot afford to take our state for granted. Roll up our sleeves, get to work, override this veto. Until next time... Stay informed, stay engaged, and stay hopeful. Some serious questions had arisen last week when Governor Greg Abbott called upon the Texas National Guard, as well as other defenses, in an effort to slow the ongoing migrant crisis. While some applauded the move, others, like the Biden administration, were much more cri uh, critical, calling it, what, inhumane? 
Now the Supreme Court has apparently sided with Biden's side, ordering federal agents to remove razor wire fencing along the border in a narrow five to four vote. Joining us now to discuss the Supreme Court's ruling and what, if anything, the state of Texas can do about it is Michael Letts. Michael is the founder, president and CEO of Invest USA, a national grassroots nonprofit organization that is helping hundreds of communities provide thousands of bulletproof vests for their police forces through educational, public relations, sponsorship and fundraising programs. He also has over 30 years of law enforcement experience under his belt, hence his pro-police stance for his brothers and sisters in blue. Michael, thank you so much for joining us this evening. John, always my privilege, and it's a great honor to be with you tonight. You know, Michael, you have a great name, by the way. Uh, tell me, what does the uh, Supreme Court's decision tell us about the latest move with the migrant crisis? Well, it's interesting. Uh, your initial thought was the Supreme Court was siding with the Biden administration. Because all the Supreme Court did was reify that the immigration is a federal issue and allowed the feds to cut the wire until this issue comes back before this it's in the appeals court now, probably will go to the Supreme Court and then they will decide the ultimate question, what do you do when the federal government is abdicating its responsibility? Because, quite frankly, the Constitution is very clear. When the federal government refused to do what is actually in the preamble, and that is to provide for the common defense, then the states have the right to defend themselves. I don't think that really is going to be much of a debate. Where I'm disappointed is the Supreme Court should have recognized that by removing the injunction to allow them not to cut the wire allows for thousands more to come across and that damages this country for every single one additionally that comes across. Yeah, and, and that just makes me so confused. Are you surprised that the Biden administration and their agencies, they're not stopping this crisis? It's almost like they're promoting this crisis. Are you surprised that they're just not doing more? Well, when you look at what their objective is, and this is what's concerning to me, the Biden administration has said they're not going to challenge and go in and try to cut the race were. But at the same time, you have 25 governors who have backed the state of Texas as they should. You literally have thousands of tractor trailer drivers making a convoy coming to Texas. We know of thousands upon thousands of veterans in law enforcement and in the military who are coming to help defend the border. So he has opened up a crisis, a constitutional crisis. People are saying, is this the beginning of a civil war? I don't see it as the beginning of a civil war. What I do see it, though, is Biden is just the kind of a, of course, you know, I don't think anything of his presidency. He's just that kind of a dishonest person that he may try to convince the American people that this is somehow a move again towards an insurrection and they try to invoke the Insurgency Act so that he can then say, okay, now that we have an Insurgency Act, I don't think we're going to have elections in November. I'm going to suspend the elections. So do you think – it's clear. You think Governor Abbott was was right. He needs to set up these defenses. But but tell me a little bit more. Tell me why you feel this way. Well, when you look at the track record for the Biden administration, they will do nothing but stop at nothing to hold on to power. And one of the key things is they have been pursuing 
President Trump in every venue they can, court-wise, anything they can do to keep him off the ballot. That appears to be going south, headed nowhere. So their next step is how do we suspend the elections? If they can institute the Insurrection Act and bring in martial law, then they can say that we're going to suspend the elections for an indefinite period of time until we bring it under control. Now, I'll tell you the difficulty they have there. The American people have wised up. They know this is not insurrection. It is Americans determined to protect their families and their loved ones. And so it won't be quite that easy, but, you know, nothing surprises me about the Biden administration trying to convince the American people things that are simply not true. So you have folks in the Biden administration, handlers for him, progressives, leftists, whatever you want to call it, saying that Governor Abbott's methods are, quote, inhumane, end quote. Correct. What would you be your argument uh, against that? I would tell them, quite frankly, what is inhumane is here's what we know for a fact, John. We know that we have literally picked up thousands of immigrants crossing into the U.S. who are on the terrorist watch list. Just last week, we picked up 10 alone Iranians who are part of Hezbollah. They're not on a terror watch list. They're actually our terrorists themselves. We know we picked up a week before that. IEDs that were crossing the border. Those are the big boys. IEDs could do a tremendous amount of damage. The only thing for terrorism needs to succeed is it needs people, which we see them pouring across the borders by the thousands. Mm-hmm. It needs armaments, which we have seen those coming across the borders. Yes. And it needs money. Now, in the Trump administration, they didn't have money because President Trump kept Iran bankrupt. Why is Iran so important to keep bankrupt? They're the primary target, and they're the primary funder of terrorism across the world. But now you know Iran has $250 billion of our money that uh, this administration released. And so now they're flush with cash as well. We have seen the chatter uh, from overseas. The chatter is now Iran is calling upon Hezbollah, Hamas, and others to move their terrorist targets from the Middle East or from Europe to the United States. And so they're well positioned to do that. That's what's coming next. Well, we are talking with Michael Letts, founder, president, and CEO of Invest USA. Michael, if this continues, I mean, you spoke a lot about the constitutional crisis, but just, just talk about this migrant crisis in general. How bad will it get in this country? Uh, we can't even begin to imagine. Let me just say what we know for a fact, because I've also been in the intelligence uh, community. We know that there's terrorist cells in every state. We know that there are thousands upon thousands of terrorists in this country waiting for the signal. We know now that there are armaments all across this country for them to do tremendous damage to Americans, to the property, and to life. And we're now just waiting for them to decide when they want to do it. Well, they've already answered that question. They're asking all the terrorists associated with him from Iran to begin immediately. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We expect it to be very soon. And it'll be the likes that this country has never seen. We've never had real terrorism in this country before. Yes, we had the Twin Towers. But what their kind of terrorism they're looking at is spreading it all across the country. Mm. Small, large, just so that the American people feel unsafe and fearful wherever they're at. That's their goal and that's their drive. And we're determined not to let them do that. Good. Well, if Biden doesn't do something about this matter, do you think it could come back to haunt him? Uh, if you think about trying to get a reelection that he's, he's trying to do for this year? 
Well, John, I think he's already killed himself for re-election. Let's just be honest. I mean, he has, the American people have no confidence in him. They see this is a huge issue, as they should. I and mean, you're talking about trying to protect your own family from being terrorized, murdered, raped, etc. They see he's doing nothing. So I think he's killed those chances. But what it does do is if he does nothing, is it just reinforces that the American people have to be the ones to step forward to protect themselves. And that's where it gets a little dicey because when you have an administration doing their job, you have order. Yes. When you have uh, everyone is the old West, every gun for himself. Uh, yeah, you'll protect the American people, but there may be some casualties that shouldn't be there in the process. And that's a shame. But America has always had a patriotic vein. We did it in the American Revolution. We are determined to protect our families and our freedom. If the president hasn't figured that out by now, he had no right to be there to begin with. Ooh, you're speaking my language. Well, Michael, tell me, um, tell me a little bit more about Invest USA. Uh, what's special about your organization you have here? Well, Invest USA was started 30 years ago, John, to make sure that every officer had the necessary protection. When we started it 30 years ago, we had 52% of officers who had no protection at all. We got that down to 19%. But the protection that was available at the time was what we call concealable vests, the ones you see under their shirt. They will only stop a pistol or sidearm. Criminal element got smart, and they decided to start using assault rifles and long-range rifles to uh, target and to assassinate our officers. So we had to stop create new technology called active shooter vests that have titanium plates. They'll stop anything. But unfortunately, with this new technology, 90% of cops across the country don't have it. What is so frustrating, John, is this administration thinks that it can find funding for Ukraine, forever, for anybody else, for illegal immigrants. We're spending billions of dollars a year to take care of the illegal immigrants. Not a dime of it is taking care of our first responders, and that's what's so tragic in this country today. Michael, if folks want to find uh, more information about you or your organization, I think they can visit investusa.org. Is that right? That's correct, John. And tell them we'd love to have them as part of taking care of protecting our freedoms and our responsibilities. The greatest thing I can tell them to do is just tell a first responder tomorrow, thank you for willing to protect and to serve. Their morale is the lowest it's ever been. That'll go volumes to helping this country restore law and order and that's where we need to be today sounds good michael thank you so much for joining me tonight my friend thank you john god bless you god bless america keep up the fight we're winning house speaker johnson reportedly told the gop house caucus recently that he's going to reject whatever border security deal comes out of current talks between the senate and joe biden johnson said he would not back anything unless hr2 the secure the border act according to fox news digital uh his gop conference then held a conference call last uh sunday night and johnson held firm on his position that the house would not back anything less than the republicans secure the border act as i said noted as hr2 with us now to discuss the ongoing negotiations is Dr. Eric Ruark. He is the director of research for Numbers USA and has worked on immigration policy since 2008. He has researched and published extensively on U.S. immigration policy, and his work has been cited in national and international media reports. Eric, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Eric, Republicans on the call were told that the Senate is nearing a deal. At least one lawmaker said, um, but one hasn't been announced yet. Is that right? 
Well, it's been reported. We haven't seen any language. And, you know, next week is going to be very important, I guess, this week now, um, to see what the Senate does. There's been some uh, reports that the Senate is going to back off of the deal. Senator Langford from Oklahoma was uh, the House GOP, or excuse me, the Senate uh, lead for the GOP in the Senate, negotiating this with the White House. And from what we understand, the deal in the Senate would allow 5,000 illegal border crossers to be uh, released into the United States every day, right? And so after that, then then they start getting, you know, cracking down after 5,000. Who would be released with work authorization? Uh, under current law, zero are supposed to be released uh, into the U.S., let alone given uh, the authority to work. So uh, essentially, it's rubber stamping uh, the, the policies of the, of the Biden administration. So you are right saying that Senator Johnson, or House Speaker Johnson, is saying HR2, Secure the Border Act, is our position of the House. We are the, you know, we have the power of the purse. We want to secure the border, and so unless whatever comes out of the Senate is essentially uh, sticks to those guidelines, the HR2, uh, which pa- passed the House back in May, unless those are in the Senate deal, it's a no-go for the House. So that's a, that's a fight. It's not only, you know, you see Speaker Johnson opposing what's going on from the Biden White House. He's also at odds, at least for now, with uh, Mitch McConnell, who's the uh, leader of the Republicans in the Senate, and whatever we're seeing from Lankford uh, with this deal. So it's going to, it's, you know, we need funding for the government, right? We, excuse me, we've passed the continuing resolution. Yeah, those are going to run out in March. So, you know, we, we're going to. It comes down to whether or not we're going to shut the border down or keep the government open, and, and that's you know that's a big fight. You know, you kind of had me at five thousand a day. I mean, that sounds like a relatively yeah. small number for the U.S. border on a daily basis, but clearly we're not dealing with this on a daily basis. We're dealing with this on an annual basis, and that could just be crazy. But I guess we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. Um, tell me a little bit more about this House bill, H.R. 2, please. H.R. 2 uh, would make, most importantly, I think, remain in Mexico permanent. So that was something put in place by uh, President Trump when he was in office at the executive level, which said that people who are showing up at the border and claiming asylum have to wait in Mexico while their cases are adjudicated. And the fact that most people who are now claiming asylum don't have legitimate claims, uh, but they're being released anyway, this would prevent a lot of those people from coming in. Because if they know that they're going to have to wait while their claims, which aren't valid, are, are processed, most of them aren't going to come and they're not going to show up. But people who actually do have legitimate claims will because they're in desperate need. So that would make Remain in Mexico permanent in law. It would also uh, cut down or end the abuse of parole authority. So a parole, humanitarian parole, is supposed to be used on a case-by-case basis for people. For example, say you need an operation, right? and, and you, there's the only medical treatment you can get is in the U.S. We will parole you into the U.S. to receive that treatment, and you stay in the U.S. until you're finished with that course. And then you go home. The Biden administration is using parole to admit tens of thousands of people every month wow. into the United States. And so H.R. 2 would end that. It would restrict that um, as well as mandatory E-Verify. And most of the people who are coming into the U.S. are coming because there's opportunity, economic opportunities. Uh, and the Biden administration is not preventing people, even if they're not giving them work authorization, they're not stopping them from working. So uh, mandatory E-Verify would prevent that. 
would, would, would so stop people clear. who weren't authorized to work from working in the United States. So it's clear Democrats in the Senate and Joe Biden are going to do everything that they can to oppose H.R. 2. Um, Chuck Schumer has had, what, months to take this up, but he hasn't. So do you think that there's any chance that this thing passes? Well, it was introduced. Senator Cruz uh, okay. introduced H.R. 2, uh, the, the companion bill. In the Senate, it has 31 co-sponsors at this time, but uh, obviously that's not enough to get it through. Uh, Senator Schumer does oppose it, and he's in you know, charge of the Senate. He's the majority leader. But the the real, I guess, leverage, or there's two aspects to what to what the GOP in the House has. They, they are the ones who – any spending bill has to originate in the House – and so um, you can't get a spending bill if, if you can't get the GOP in the House to back it, at least, you know, a, a bill that gets passed with the, with the GOP in, in control. But also you have a president whose policies are extremely – his border policies are extremely unpopular. It's not just Republican voters. It's the number one issue. We just saw this last week, a very reliable poll, Harvard-Harris poll. It's the number one issue for all voters, and it's not the number one issue because they support what's going on. It's because they oppose these policies and want them to end. And so if the Republicans really hold firm, if, if Speaker Johnson says, no, we're not backing down on this, the president, President Biden has to go in front of the American people and make a case that shutting down the government is more important than, than shutting down the border. And there's the funding for Ukraine and for Israel, which for some people are priorities. You know, Numbers USA doesn't take a position on anything but, but immigration. But our position is border security isn't something to be negotiated away so you can move on to your other priorities, right? That's either we secure the border or we do not, right? You force the laws or you don't. And right now, obviously, we're not. And so it's not something that you'd say we're going to pretend to fix it so we can move on to what's more important. There's nothing more important than securing our border. Yes. And it's again, it's not something that's just Republican voters or Trump voters. This is something we see in New York, Chicago, across the country. Uh, even uh, traditional Democratic voters are saying enough's enough. We got we have to fix this. OK, so I'm going to have you put on your research brain for a bit because I have a new stat. Um, I pulled this up a little bit ago. Immigrant encounters. Um, as of December 20, 2022, about three hundred and uh, what, two thousand, a little bit over that. that and, and just for frame of reference. Right. Just for frame of reference, it's a little bit bigger than the, the town of Wichita here. Um, as of uh, 2024, or should not 2024, but as of 2023, we're now looking at 785,000. In other words, we're we're importing uh, the city of Seattle, right, into the U.S. Uh, into the U.S. Uh, economy, uh, country, society, communities. Um, that just seems insane, isn't it? Uh, it's- well, to normal people, yes, but to D.C. politicians, it doesn't really uh, apparently, obviously doesn't seem to be the crisis that it is because right now the fix is to pretend, number one, to deny that it's happening. Secretary Mayorkas, D.H. Secretary, continues to tell Congress that the border is secure, and anyone who's paying attention knows that isn't true. But those numbers, the counters that you referenced, those are people who have come in and Border Patrol has, you know, processed them basically. They've uh, they've taken, they you could say apprehended them, but in a, in essence, what they are doing is is releasing and processing them and releasing them into the United States. Most of them, 85 percent, uh, according to uh, even Secretary Mayorkas, are being released into the United States. That doesn't count people who have gotten in without being encountered. 
So those are the gotaways. And so those numbers are even higher. And obviously the border isn't secure. And the fix isn't to say we're going to um, allow this to go on while we pretend that we're admitting these people, calling them um, creating new legal pathways as the government, as President Biden has claimed that he's doing with parole and other methods. It's to say to people, if you come to the border and you're inadmissible, right, migrants, we talk about migrants a lot. Mm -hmm. Essentially, these are inadmissible aliens. If we stop releasing people into the United States, they're going to stop coming to the border. And that's the United States government, in essence, is incentivizing and rewarding illegal immigration. It's not just turning a blind eye to it. Our government is, in fact, completing for the cartels the human smuggling in many cases. Yeah, I can't remember where I've heard it, where uh, I think it was a video of migrants um, coming into the U.S. and they're chanting Joe Biden because this is exactly what he's encouraging. We are here uh, talking with Dr. Eric Ruark, director of research for Numbers USA. Let's uh, shift gears just for a little bit. This compromise, quote unquote, compromise also includes uh, what funding for Ukraine. And that's kind of been a non-starter for many Republicans. Now, certainly we have our own crisis here at the southern border. Um, tell me, why are we using U.S. taxpayer dollars to secure the Ukrainian border? Well, that's that's a good question. And again, you know, that's that's not an issue that Numbers USA uh, takes a position on. But what we, we have noticed is that the and the White House has made it very clear that funding, you know, supporting the war effort in Ukraine is, is a priority of the administration. And what they've done is they've tied border security to any funding for Ukraine. Uh, in essence, saying, you know, we will not secure our border unless you give us money to help secure the border in another country. And again, some people think that it's very important to help Ukraine, but you don't trade away your own nation's security for another you know, nation's border, to fund another nation's border security. Uh, if, if we don't take care of this situation, if the Congress doesn't step up to take care of the situation, the Biden administration is not going to do it on its own. They've made that very, very clear. And so what does Congress do? They can either hold the president to account or they can say, go ahead and continue these policies. Because what President Biden is saying is, if you just give me more money, we'll solve the, the issue. But what he means by that is we want more money to continue these policies, and we're going to process more people in more quickly with the money, not put Border Patrol agents on the border stopping people. We're going to put them on the border uh, to process people in, release them, and use that taxpayer money to transport aliens to wherever they, they want to go. I, uh, Pres excuse me, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis, we've seen a lot of attention directed at them for busing migrants. But most of the people we see ending up in New York City and Chicago and other cities, sanctuary cities, have gotten there on their own because they have family members or friends or opportunities for jobs there. Or they've been sent there by, our, by the United States government with taxpayer money. Eric, thank you again for joining us this evening. Tell me if folks want more information. Um, I have it that they can find you at NumbersUSA.com. Is there any other place or is that it? Well, NumbersUSA.com, we're on social media, but if you go to numbers, NumbersUSA.com, at the top, there's an action board, and you can take action and tell your member of Congress, and I know people might not think it matters, but they do listen. Take action, tell your representative, your member of Congress, pass H.R. 2, Secure the Border Act. Thank you, sir. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Americans for Prosperity Kansas last week released a new poll showing that nearly six out of ten voters favor changing the state's current complicated income tax code to a single rate tax system. And this survey kind of reflects opinions uh, from registered voters all across the state. The survey found in its research that once those who were surveyed received more information on making their taxes simpler through a single rate plan, favorability increased to nearly 67%. With us now to walk through these results of the poll is AFP Kansas State Director Elizabeth Patton. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it sounds great to have you, boss. AFP Kansas has uh, some great survey key findings here. One of them was inflation and the cost of living is probably, what, the top issue for voters, ranking at 25% of those surveyed. Is that right? It really is. And and we had an option of, gosh, we probably had 10 options for people to choose from. And it was inflation. And then right underneath that, no surprise to anybody, it was taxes. And, you know, I think those two really end up going hand in hand because Kansas families, we all know, are feeling the pinch. They just are. And that is a top issue for Kansans across the state. You know, one thing I definitely found interesting was uh, something along the lines of 58 percent of voters favor that single rate tax system change. And that included about, what, one quarter who strongly favored that proposal. And that proposal received strong report from Republicans, about 67 percent, a majority support among independents. And while not a majority, pretty dang good, 45 percent in favor among uh, Democrats. Um, what other information did you find there that was really helpful about this poll? Yeah. So what that told me was that even among Democrats, and, and if you if we drilled down further in the cross tabs and those who say that they were Governor Kelly supporters and that they supported moving to a single rate, actually 52% of the voters who approve of Laura Kelly also are in favor of changing this tax system. So it's telling me that this is a common sense, bipartisan uh, proposal that voters strongly favor all across political spectrums, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you are a Republican, an independent or a Democrat, inflation is hurting your family the same way. Uh, and, and it's an area of concern for every single Kansan I talk to. 
Uh, we've got to get something done, and they're anxious to see this change to something simpler and lower for everybody's family. We're talking to Americans for Prosperity Kansas State Director Elizabeth Patton. Uh, Elizabeth, I also saw about a majority, 52% of voters who approve of Laura Kelly as governor also favor changing that tax system. And then nearly three quarters of voters, around 73%, this, who disapprove of Governor Kelly are also in favor of the proposed change. So if you have folks who like Kelly, who want uh, uh, taxes to be simpler, <laughs> those who don't like Laura Kelly also want their taxes simpler, doesn't this mean we, we really should move forward on this policy? We should. It's a no-brainer. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, what's really great about this policy in particular, and moving to a single rate, is that it gives every single Kansan in our state a tax cut. And I really, you know, I'll be honest, I was listening to the news right before I came on and listening to the news segments. And, you know, you, you, you listen to that, it gives you a little bit of perspective. Um, I, I will share, uh, my younger brother has actually just returned uh, a couple months ago from the Jordan-Syrian border, and he was at that base um, and, and on the base that received the drone strike last year. Um, and, and I see the tragedy that happened just just today, and, and I hear about the border crisis, and we're thinking about all of those things. And yet here Laura Kelly is quibbling over one small piece of this tax policy uh, that would be the linchpin to give every single Kansan a tax code. Every Kansan does not get a tax cut under her plan, uh, and, and why she would be when everybody supports this from a bipartisan perspective, why she would dig in on this and deny Kansas a tax break is just beyond me. And it just shows me how out of touch she is on, on what this state really needs. Yes. And, and, and to your brother, tell him, of course, thank you for serving. We, of course, want to respect and recognize uh, those who serve and fight for this country. Um, to shift gears a little bit, maybe uh, probably a little bit from the poll here. You know, last I heard, we have about billions uh, upon billions of taxpayer money within state coffers. Um, tell yep. me more about that surplus within the Kansas state government I honestly feel that we should be giving that back. Um, oh, yeah. Do you believe that as, as well? And what do you think about Laura Kelly? Does she believe that? Oh, she does not believe that. Her budget is the biggest ever, and she has consistently shown us that she thinks the answer is throwing money at things instead of providing systemic reforms. So her answer is, oh, here's $50 million, instead of actually finding a real policy solution. Um, that's, that's her M.O., and it's unfortunate because, you know, while she wants to grow and have a bloated budget, um, what I would rather see is this $3.5 billion go back to Kansas taxpayers. And we still have $1.6 billion in our rainy day fund. And, you know, when we look at the single rate plan that just passed the legislature, overwhelmingly, by the way, uh, it honestly, if we get government spending under control, that tax plan allows for our ending balance to still remain extremely healthy in a few years. It doesn't put us in financial straits. It's a really smart way to have a sustainable state government. Fine, but it gets money back into the hands of the people who make better decisions than Laura Kelly on how that money needs to be spent, frankly. And you know, if we don't cut taxes and we don't cut spending, which is what Laura Kelly prefers, uh, the state's in financial trouble anyway if the ballooned state budget continues to grow. So uh, that's just 
that's just the way it is. Um, yes, yeah, so we and, seem to be. Uh, you'd prefer. We seem to be hitting uh, new record after new record after new record in terms of uh, state spending, and I think that's a really important point that you made, uh, Elizabeth. That if we really have to get that spending under control, because if we don't, we're going to see the dire straits that we saw probably in 2017 uh, uh, before. One one final quick question, if you will. Um, in my speech, talking about the veto, talking about the tax relief, you know, I really belabor the point that I hate this toxic label, <laughs> toxic using the leftist language here, uh, this label of back to Brownback. It's not true in any way, shape or form. I'm right in saying that. Am I? This is this is no way tying us back to that 2013 policy. Not at all. Not at all. And the way that all came to fruition, I won't get into it, but it was messy and, and what's great about this bill is it covers, hey, it eliminates Social Security income tax for one of only 10 states that continues to tax that, so it's good for retirees. It, it makes improvements to property tax where the state government has control to do that, which is not a lot, but in the way that they can, it, it tackles property tax. It lowers the grocery sales tax to zero ahead of schedule, and it also provides income tax relief. And when you look at all of those really excellent ways to reform our tax code and make it simpler and make it lower for folks. Gosh, we're impacting everyone from low to high, including the middle class, which is another lie that they say that it doesn't provide yes, a break yes. for the middle class. And we know that's, that's absolutely not true. Actually, you know, a family that makes about $70,000, $80,000 a year and owns a home, they're looking at about $1,000 in tax breaks $1, from this bill. Wow, $1,000. That's, 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 that's crazy. Um, speaking about money coming in, um, I know, of course, we're always in a market where folks are looking for uh, jobs. They're looking for a little bit of money. Does um, Americans for Prosperity Kansas have any opportunities for folks who are interested in getting involved and pushing for effective change in government? We absolutely do. We're constantly educating uh, citizens, and we have part-time jobs going door-to-door, -door, uh, talking to voters and, and citizens about some of the key issues. And so if, if that's something you're interested in, looking for a little bit extra cash, because as we just talked about, inflation is, is causing a pinch for everybody, hmm. uh, let us know, because we have tons of part-time positions available, and it really does help make a difference and spread um, the right information you know, we don't always cut through with the news, except for maybe this show. But you can help make a huge difference educating folks if you want to come work for us part time. Sounds great. Hey, if people want to know more information about this tax plan, uh, they can visit FairShareKansas.com. Is that right? That is absolutely right. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll attempt a veto override. And if you want to get excited about that and all these other issues, I would encourage people to go to not only FairShareKansas.com, but actually come from here in Wichita, come join us on February 3rd. So it's this Saturday in, in just about a week um, at the Doubletree Hilton right by the airport from 1 to 6. We have a ton of speakers along with our coalition partners, Kansas Family Voice. And we're going to be talking to folks from Congressman Ron Estes to policy experts from around the country and even um, some of our very own leadership from the Kansas legislature to get excited about the work we can do and hopefully overriding this tax veto, this tax veto next week or in coming weeks. Um, if that anyway, if that works out, that's a great plug. Raise the nation. You can find more information about that on the John Whitmer show Facebook page. Uh, Elizabeth, thank you for joining us this evening. It is always a pleasure and I can't wait to see you at work tomorrow morning. Sounds good. Thanks, Michael. Have a great evening.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You know, as a legislative director, I can say that the second week of the legislative session is usually supposed to be a little slow, but that's not true this year. House and Senate Republicans jumped right back into conference committee mode so that they could negotiate an incredible tax relief bill. Both chambers moved very quickly on this legislation in order to get it straight to the governor's desk by the end of the week. Um, but as of last Friday, she is going to no longer consider herself middle of the road, and she has now vetoed this compromise tax bill. With us now to talk about that recently passed and now recently vetoed single-rate tax plan is Grover Norquist. He's the president of Americans for Tax Reform, a taxpayer advocacy group that he had founded in 1985 at President Ronald Reagan's request. ATR works to limit the size and cost of government and opposes higher taxes at the federal, state, and local levels. It also supports tax reform that moves towards taxing consumed income one rate at a time, or excuse me, at one time at one rate. ATR organizes the Taxpayer Protection Pledge, which asks all candidates for federal and state office to commit themselves in writing to the American people that they are going to oppose all net tax increases. In the 117th Congress, 175 House members and 44 senators have taken the pledge, and many state legislators have taken the pledge as well, including our namesake, John Whitmer, when he was a candidate. Grover, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you? Uh, doing very well. Good to be with you. Good. So, Grover, go, uh, Governor Kelly's budget director, Adam Profit, and that profit doesn't mean profit for families, uh, told legislators that the flat tax in House Bill 2284 puts the state into budget deficits starting in fiscal year 2029. But guess what? They didn't give us any data to back up that claim. They just told us to accept it and move on. Is there any truth to their doom and gloom prediction? Well, what's interesting is they put it off so far in the future, uh, because, of course, predicting revenue that far into the future is a fool's game. Uh, So to say they know what it's going to be is uh, not exactly accurate. Uh, But in addition, (laughs) uh, we know from other states that when you uh, move marginal tax rates down, when you get to a single rate tax, it's very helpful to economic growth. A single rate tax, 12 states have, actually 19 states have a single rate, one rate, not a graduated or progressive income tax like the federal government, but one rate. Uh, seven of those have zero as the one rate, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, states like that. And 12 of them have uh, single rates that are not zero. Uh, and Kansas moving to a single rate uh, is joined by Iowa, which is voted to go to one. They have, it's not there yet, but it's got a couple of years and it's there. Uh, Kansas, uh, Kansas has just voted it. Mm-hmm. We'll see if uh, uh, we can override that veto, one hopes. Uh, certainly, uh, Georgia, Mississippi are voted to go to a single rate tax. North Dakota and Ohio have gone to two rate taxes on the way to, uh, to one rate. So there's been a real move nationally to do just this uh, in the more successful states. And it's disappointing that the 
governor and her uh, flacks are out there. Yeah. When they say, oh, it won't be in balance in 2019, they mean they plan to spend so much money, the state will be in debt. That's what they just told <laughs> you. That's what their plan is. Spend more, get in debt. That's, well, it's true. If she continues or people who govern as she wishes continue to govern in the state and spend, yeah, you know what? She could be right, but only if she does the damage. So, I don't know why she pretends she's a moderate. Nobody in the country thinks she is. So let me put on my, my leftist dunce cap here. Um, another, uh, when we're talking about the flat tax, one thing I always hear leftists talk about is that it only benefits the rich. Only the wealthy are, are, are getting better off. It's hurting the poor. That's not true. I've looked at this data. I've looked at the effects on families. All taxpayers get a tax cut. Isn't that right? And actually, if you look at the lowest brackets, they actually get their uh, tax liability completely eliminated. Isn't that correct? Yes. And and what you pointed out is whenever big spending people see any tax cut, before they've even looked at it, they say, just for rich people. Um, and that fools a number of people, and the press will quote them, even though they're lying. Uh, but if you take a look at the Kansas single rate tax, the higher rates go down and the lower rates go to zero. Okay. There is a larger and an absolute um, uh, zero is a pretty good number. Um, and of course you hit the top rate at about $30,000 in Kansas. Okay. So when uh, the governor says, I hate people who are rich. We're going to tax them. If you make more than $30,000, you're one of the people she hates and wants to tax. So keep in mind when she talks about the rich who deserve to be, you know, have their taxes raised, she means you. She means you. That's a great point. That's a great point. So when we're talking about low-income families, we're only talking about families, let's say, um, making less than probably 60000 right, if you, you multiply uh, that 30000 times two. But I've also looked at this and saw that low-income families fare much better under that flat tax um, approved by the legislature than under Laura Kelly's press conference. She had a press conference where she pushed some of her own tax provisions, but all she did was slightly raise the standard deduction. Isn't the plan passed by the legislature actually better off for low-income families than what the governor had proposed? Yeah, it is. And she's in a difficult position because she doesn't want to reduce taxes at all. Uh, and she wants to spend more money. And this is a tax reform that will be good for economic growth. Best thing you can do for low-income people is to create more jobs and, and get wages to move upward. Uh, but it also, as we've pointed out several times, the lower brackets go to zero and the higher brackets go to the, the center. Um, and everybody gets a tax cut. Everybody in Kansas sees lower taxes. And when she says it's just for, you know, the, the top rate coming down is somehow unfair. Again, top rate hits you at 30000 We are talking with Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. So glad you are with us today. Grover, uh, according to a recent survey, 71% of voters say parents should, quote, have the right to use tax dollars designated for their child's education to send their child to the public or private school, which best serves their needs, end quote. It is clear parents want more educational choice, correct? Yes, and the interesting thing is that 14 states have now passed laws 
to make that true for everybody. They often started with handicapped kids or kids with disabilities uh, or low-income people or people only in big cities. Uh, but they're now 14 have expanded it to uh, all students. Uh, Texas is about to move forward. Tennessee will be going to all students. Uh, Georgia is moving forward. The additional states keep coming in. So uh, this is something that people fight. I, I live in Washington, D.C., and the, the Republicans passed the school choice scholarship bill. The first thing that Obama did when he came in was kill it. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Um, I also saw a recent interview that you did on Fox Business where you were discussing uh, Senator Mitt Romney's new tax hike commission to propose higher taxes on Americans. It's no surprise that this is coming from Romney, but but can you help me understand this thing? Can you explain it a bit? Sure. There, a lot of new ideas are pretty stupid because no one's ever tried them and you don't know how stupid they are because they're new. True. This is a really old stupid idea that we've tried several times and we know how stupid it is. So it's even more annoying that Mr. Romney has taken this up. So Congress is having trouble passing budgets uh, that are you know, restrained. Why? Well, the Democrats want to keep spending the money. Uh, and frankly, some Republicans uh, like to spend money on, on stuff, too. This is a challenge. But we're going to have a commission. So Congress can't do its job. Uh, and so we're going to uh, hand it off to a commission of some congressmen and outside experts. Uh, and then they will come up with a plan and then send it back to Congress. And within five days, you've got to vote yes or no on the whole thing. So try and, and gonna, they're going to announce this and make it after the election. So they want to divorce the writing of a budget from people being able to watch it happen or being even able to read it or make any sense of it. Because five days doesn't give you enough time to find out what's really in a bill. It's many, many pages. Um, and they just want to go through it. Well, how have we done this before? Yeah. Uh, when Reagan was president, uh, Kansas's Bob Dole who didn't appreciate lower taxes uh, until he ran for president uh, and was a spender himself, sadly. Uh, he forced Reagan, because along with the Democrats in the House, and said, we insist on some uh, tax increases, but here's what we'll do. We'll give you $3 of spending cuts for every dollar of tax increase. And they went off into, you know, to, to have a meeting in private, and they came up with something outside of the normal budget uh, and uh, Ways and Means process. And what happened? Well, they passed a bill. No spending was cut. Taxes were raised. The tax cuts, the tax raises, tax increases, tax increases are still with us. Mm. The spending cuts not only didn't happen, but spending increased more rapidly after this deal than before. Then eight years later, uh, Dick Darman uh, said to Bush, well, you know, we really, there, there was a spending limit that he didn't want to live with. So yes. they destroyed the spending limit and said, we'll replace it with $2 of imaginary spending cuts for every dollar of tax increases. The tax increases happened, and I don't mean to, you know, spoil the story, but the tax, the, the spending cuts never happened. There, there was no spending cuts, and in fact, the spending increased more rapidly after. Why? When you raise taxes, the Democrats spend the money. Yes. They don't raise taxes to reduce deficit. They raise taxes to spend the money. Yes. They tried to do this to us under Obama. They said, well, we'll have some, some tax increases and much 
spending. At the end of the day, Kerry, who was running that special committee, that was set up a special committee so they can do it in secret. And um, Kerry was uh, Kerry out of Massachusetts. Uh, uh, well, it goes to show Senator from. It, it, it just yeah. goes to show how important you have to get spending under control. You know, uh, tax cuts, as great as they are, will just get reversed if you never really get that that that, that budget under your belt. No different than any family. Um, Grover, Mr. Norquist, thank you again so much for joining us. Um, if you want to know more information, we can find you on Twitter at Grover Norquist and online at ATR.org. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, perfect. Hey, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope we can have you back soon, maybe for a celebration in Kansas once we get this uh, veto override. That would be awfully helpful. It'd be a great model for the rest of the nation. I agree. I agree. Every week during the legislative session, we want to do our best to bring you a live update from Topeka to review the most recent week's activity and preview any upcoming issues that we think you should keep an eye on. And so with us now is uh, for our under the dome update is to is to excuse me, is Representative Pat Proctor from Leavenworth. Uh, Representative Proctor, Pat, our, our, thank you for joining us this evening. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Thank you, Michael, for having me on. Not a problem at all. Okay, so we have beaten this dead horse that we need to get this override on this flat tax bill. Um, tell me real quickly, what do you think our chances are for an override in the House? Well, I'll tell you what, I've given up predicting uh, what the what the legislature is going to do uh, a call. long time ago. But uh, we, had the, we had the votes for it the first time, and I think at least in the House we override, uh, just praying that the Senate will do the same. But I'll tell you, it, you know, and you've you've been talking it for quite a while here, but it's just so disingenuous uh, the things that the governor's saying about this bill. This bill lowers taxes for every single Kansan. You know, we're taking away the tax on Social Security. Uh, we're lowering every homeowner's property taxes. We're completely removing three hundred thousand low-income taxpayers from the in-tax, income tax rolls. Somebody, please explain to me how that's a tax cut for the rich, please. <laughs> Will do. And so kind of what you said, the issue is really in the Senate. Uh, and in the Senate, we have two, quote unquote, Republicans and one independent that are really causing an issue here. But you're exactly right. We've kind of belabored that point. Let me let me shift gears a little bit here. This week, I think we've had uh, the Kansas March for Life at the Capitol. Um, were you there? If so, how was the event? Oh, I absolutely was. And uh, there were a ton of legislators that are uh, not, you know, are not backing down on doing everything that we can do to uh, defend life. And I'll tell you, it was really heartening to see so many folks out there. You know, uh, it was, you know, it was heartbreaking seeing the value of them both amendment uh, fail last year. But, uh, you know, I think the pro-life movement is as passionate as ever. And, uh, you know, we've been focused on doing things that are going to save lives. Um, you know, the born alive bill that we got uh, done last year, the uh, over and override, the you know abortion pill reversal notification. What could be more pro-choice than telling a woman that she has a you, she can change her mind after the first pill and a chemical abortion? Uh, you know the uh, the uh, alternatives to abortion. Uh, you know funding our pregnancy crisis centers so that all these women that are flooding in from all these other states uh, can hear the truth about abortion and make an informed decision. Oh, that's perfect. Um, tell me, what other uh, major issues uh, are most likely going to come up this week? 
Well, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm the chair of the elections committee, and uh, we got a couple of great bills that uh, are teed up this year. Uh, last week, uh, we heard a uh, bill about uh, uh, requiring that election officers use the actual paper ballots to audit elections. I was shocked to find out last year that uh, several counties are using the image from the counting machine to verify the math of the counting machine. That's wow. not a dual that's independent check. And so I think that's going to come to the floor really fast, and we might get that passed. And, uh, you know, we, last year uh, we tried to do away with the three-day grace period. And during that debate, we heard that uh, a lot of ballots uh, in rural areas, uh, you know, they're not counting these ballots coming in after election night. And we just assumed that it was because they people weren't mailing in ballots that late. What I found out in the off season is the reason they're not counting them is they're not being postmarked. And so we're disenfranchising, you know, maybe a couple thousand uh, rural voters. And that's just not right. You know, they did everything right. So let's just move the whole timeline back so that they got enough time to get those ballots in and we can count every vote. And so um, I think we might get that done this year. Uh, you know, I think that with that new information, people might be on board that oppo- were opposing it before. Count every vote. I most certainly agree with that. Um, is there anything else that we should be expecting in the weeks to come? Well, I'll tell you, you know, something I'm passionate about being up here in Leavenworth is our disabled veterans. Uh, we have a duty to stand with those folks that uh, sacrifice so much to protect us. And uh, I've been working for a couple of years now on a property tax exemption for disabled veterans. It's great for our disabled veterans, but it's also great for Kansas because we're separating over 3,000 service members every year, uh, many of them with disabilities. And they're taking their their skills, their degrees, their working age spouses and their kids, and they're going to Texas and Florida where they have this tax exemption. So, you know, we've got a workforce problem here in Kansas. We've got, uh, you know, 85,000 jobs that are going unfilled right now. You know, if we can get this thing passed, we passed it in the House last year, 123 to 1, and now it's in the Senate Tax Committee. Um, if we can get it passed this this year, we can start to hang on to some of these folks and start to reverse the stagnant population here in Kansas. Pat, if uh, folks want to connect with you, how can they get that done? Where can we find you? Well, um, you can find I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over Instagram. Or you can go to Pat Proctor, the number four ks.com has my email and everything. And uh, I'd love to hear from folks on uh, what they'd like me working on. Thank you, sir. That was a great update. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your night, good sir. Thank you for having me, Michael, and thank you for standing for freedom. Thank you. Next week's guest host uh, is unfortunately not me. It's going to be House Speaker Pro Tem Blake Carpenter. Great friend, a great individual. I'm sure you'll look forward to having him on the show. But in a couple of events coming up, I want to make sure you're aware of. Uh, in my talk with Elizabeth Patton from Americans for Prosperity Kansas, Saturday, February 3rd at 1 p.m., AFP Kansas Raise the Nation Rally will be held at the Doubletree by Hilton. Um, before I jump on, or actually, no, let me mention one more um, event. Republican Women United, their meetings are going to be held on the second Saturday of the month, 9.30, opens at 10 a.m. at WABA at 7.30 North Main. And don't forget the weekly Pachyderm Club luncheons. They always have great speakers. Well, let's see who is on the line. Marcy, uh, thank you so much for holding. You are on the John Whitmer Show. Tell me, what's on your mind? 
Hi, Michael. You're doing great tonight. Appreciate you. Um, I'm calling about Biden's executive order 14008 that the Congress uh, funded in the infrastructure bill in December 22. And what we're seeing now is the clamoring by states to get that money. And we're not even just going to see at the state level. It can be city and county as well. And they feel a real urgency because they know ideally he's going to lose and be not president. But this is a, even in the language of this bill, um, there's this urgency. They even use the word urgency and immediacy. And so I ran into you in Topeka, you may recall, and I was up there speaking before the Ag and Natural Resource Committee talking about HB 2541 because the, they were looking to get a piece of that pie, but it's a taxpayer's money, and they were going to create this whole big new conservation fund, um, and they wanted to get matching federal money, but they were first going to pull all this money out of the lottery and sales tax. And I just want to alert um, your listeners to this, because it potentially will come out of that committee or appear. Um, Kansans for Conservation says Senator McGinn is going to sponsor it on the Senate side. So I wanted to alert the listeners to this. So is this related to, at least I hear this on the national level, the, the 30 by 30, the, the, the land grab by, yes, by the federal sir. government? Yes, sir. So that is coming in in about every shape and form you can imagine, because under that executive order, Biden wanted every single agency, every single agency to implement this. So we are just seeing it coming in hard and fast. And you'll see language with DEI and Justice 40 and environmental justice. You can even go back and listen to the Ag and Natural Resource Budget Committee hearing and just hear the language about Justice 40. That was just last week. They talked about it. Yep, you're right, 30 by 30. The other area that's coming in is energy. Mm. Um, there's so much money being thrown at this, and we are seeing a major bullseye on Kansas for wind and solar. And the bigger picture, you know, you talk about taxes tonight. The bigger picture, Michael, is that we will have less land in production and therefore less tax revenue, less production on downstream. You know, ag is our major um, source of income and GDP here in Kansas. And when you pull that land out of, of production, and we have to understand, too, that conservation is defined by the Biden administration. is not what a farmer thinks conservation is. In their world, they want 30 by 30. I mean, that means 30 percent out of – they want it untouchable by 2030, land and water. And they want 50 so, by 50, 20 to 50. So conservation just means we have to keep human beings off the land. It doesn't mean, you, you, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean you use it for farming. It doesn't mean that you use it just to have a tourist vacation. It means no human interaction in any way, shape or form. That's just, that's just insane. I mean, it's one thing if a, if a private owner wants to do this to the land that they own, but it's a completely other thing if it's uh, taxpayer money that's being used and the government saying that this land is for the people, but the people can't be on it. I find that, you know, utterly insane. Let me ask you a little bit about this. Um, you talked about uh, Senator Carolyn McGinn. Um, unfortunately, seems like on the wrong side of this. Are there any legislators in our general area that are for this? That are or not for this, but on the right side, on, on in, in pushing back. Well, pushing back. I my understanding was the rumble was that it wasn't going to come out of that committee. But our concern is there were thirty lobbyists there. It was so packed out that, and they know there's just all of this money that's sitting there waiting to be assigned. I'm afraid this is not going away because there's way too many people who have something to gain. These NGOs have something to gain. 
and the federal money's there to be taken. So everybody's like, we need our share, and you're, you know, Kansas needs to be on board. But people have to understand, in the western states, it is through these kind of regulations that has pulled more and more land out of production to the point that 50% of the lands in the west are under federal control. And it just it just ends up driving people off the land, out of production, and they use things like Endangered Species Act, which you know the Lester Prairie Chicken thing is an issue. There've been rumblings of the monarch butterfly using that, which that would be everywhere. Well, hopefully, and those strings in the feds, you know, pulling them. Yes, yes. Well, well, well hopefully, you know, um, the legislators who are unfortunately pushing this can have a time to have a change of heart. Um, I, yep. I am aware that, you know, uh, Carolyn uh, McGinn, I believe, has as a competitor in the Republican race. And that's always great. Competition is always good because um, yep. it makes sure that, uh, you know, our concerns are most certainly um, pushed forward. But what I'm thinking when you're telling me about this 30 by 30 and how it's coming down to the states, it always just seems to be how leftists uh, are trying to push their agenda without ever getting permission from the people. Right. doesn't matter whether we're talking about ESG, you know, the, the push for their woke nonsense in the in the financial markets, or now we're talking about actual land use. Um, it seems like they're always trying to either pack the court or find some way that they can push their agenda because they know that, by and large, the American people would not ever agree to this, would never vote for this. Right. Exactly. And I just want listeners to be aware of it. I'd encourage people to follow the Energy Committee. There's some concerning conversations happening there. I had a friend do some research on this and find out that there's 1.7 million acres that they want to pull out for wind and solar and battery recycling. And that's a lot of land to be pulled out of production here in Kansas. And they don't, they wouldn't pay, they don't pay taxes on that land when they have it under those categories. Well, thank you so much, Marcy, for, for, for calling in. Uh, it was always great to hear from you. Um, let me take a quick moment here to just talk a little bit about this weekend. We had the Kansas Republican GOP convention, uh, a, a roller coaster, and you can decide whether that's in a good way or in a bad way. But there definitely were some great things to take from it, one of which was the Kansans for Life luncheon, where you learned about the approaching euthanasia culture that's kind of coming in on America. You know how in Canada with the their uh, Medicaid or excuse me, their uh, uh, one state health care system. Now they're promoting euthanasia uh, assisted suicide as health care. And that is unfortunately creeping more and more into the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. Also uh, at the GOP convention, we had an election for the Republican National Committee man and committee woman. Uh, we have Mark Cars out of Wichita. Those who know Mark, you know, he is from Wichita, is a was a longtime legislator and was now reelected to be our Republican National Committee man. And now we have a new Republican National Committee woman in Wendy Bingesser. I believe she is out of uh, Olathe. Um, so glad to see that they uh, won their elections. They'll represent the Kansas Republican Party. And I'm pretty sure many Republicans across the state are going to look forward to see them. Well, if you'd like any information on any of the events that I had mentioned prior or any other things that's going on here in Wichita, visit us at the John Whitmer Show Facebook page. I'm Michael Austin filling in for John Whitmer. And once again, come to our Raise the Nation rally Saturday, February 3rd, 1 p.m. at the Doubletree by Hilton. You can also, of course, uh, find more information about myself at Facebook or on Twitter at kseconomist.org. Thank you. Have a great night, everyone. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.